What are your two favorite songs called 2 plus 2 equals 5? Well, obviously we got the one by Radiohead. That's number two for me. Yeah. That's number two for me also, because there's also 2 plus 2 equals 5 by High Res. It's very awesome. H-I-R-E-Z, exactly like the game studio that makes fake League of Legends for kids who can't afford a free game. And he makes fake rap for people who can't afford real rap. Yeah, it's like Tom McDonald, but not as good. If Tom McDonald was in an even older era of rap, yeah, like this guy is so... He loves Slim Shady. He loves the Slim Shady LP. He's one of a... I mean, I think most of those guys are dead now. Most of the white <laughs> guys who were like 19 when the Slim Shady LP came out and they were like, I need to be him. Like they just were Stan from the... Like they were the guys that made Eminem want to write that song. Yeah. Every one guys of them was a like, Slim Shady lurking who could be working at Burger King spitting on your onion rings. That's right. Like... uh yeah, he's back in that very early 2000s era of rap. And this song, it just sounds like the real Slim Shady. But it's it's anti-woke, though. Or no, uh, is it the real Slim Shady, or is it a different one I'm thinking of? I already forgot what the beat sounds like, because I listened to it once and don't want to hear it again. But <laughs> You don't like this? Well, I thought you said it was I, your favorite song with this yeah, title. Yeah, I don't like it, but it's my favorite song, because the message is so good, you know? It's one of those things, like, this video was... Um, like, you know, I was going to say popular two months ago, but more like it was making the rounds and getting dunked on uh, two months ago. But uh, the reason we actually brought it up is because someone on Discord pointed out that a couple years ago, what High res was doing <laughs> was making YouTube videos pandering to uh, like Indian. It must be like kind of like BJP guys or something. Or maybe not because it's like before he took like a right wing turn where he just was making all these YouTube videos pandering to like Indian rapper, like white guy raps in Hindi and like eight year old Pakistani rap god. Yeah, it's like the guys who do white guy orders food in perfect Chinese. Yeah, yeah. Except he's rapping it in perfect Chinese and I assume it's not perfect Chinese because this guy's very dumb and he doesn't <laughs> seem like a guy that like went to school to be an international relations guy and like learned. Arabic and Hindi. Yeah, exactly. He does. He seems like a guy that spent a lot of time uh, hanging out outside gas stations, asking people for cigarettes, and oh, also and, and uh, like, giving people mix CDs. And specifically filming them while he does it, though, as we'll see, because it's like, yeah, like, maybe I don't know. It's hard to even think how to frame this guy because he's gone through so many phases, and he always goes through whatever's the worst thing at that time. Of like, yeah, right now he's doing four minute long anti-woke songs that have three skits in them where he has to get interrupted to be like, are you sure you're teaching all the white students that they're evil and bad? But um, a year ago, he was doing Among Us raps. Before that, it was like the eight-year-old Pakistani rap guide reaction videos. And then before that, he was doing Uber driver raps where he would put a bunch of shit in his backseat of his Uber and force them to get in the front seat with him and then rap at them and, and make them react of like, damn, dude, you're so good at rapping. The problem with those bits is that if you get famous off them, what are you supposed to do? You keep rapping because, in your Uber. <laughs> like the goal of it is to not have to be an Uber driver anymore, right? But then what do you do? What if you do? What if you upload new videos that aren't in the car and people don't want to watch him? That's true because it's like, he kept innovating because one of them is called like, you know, rap God spits in a $250,000 Uber or whatever. Like he like rented a nice car or whatever. You can keep stepping it up like that. But eventually your Uber rating is going to be so low. You can't get rides anymore because everyone's reviewing you like, yeah, this guy will just rap at you. Yeah. He filmed me and put me in a YouTube video and I had to sit in the front seat 
because there was stuff in the back seat and there was stuff in the front seat too, but slightly less stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so in this like, new video, he's he's a teacher and he's got a wig on, a blue wig. He's one of those blue-haired SJWs that reads. Yeah, it's also and, funny, of course, because he's anti-trans, but he's doing drag, you know? <laughs> yeah, like those guys love doing that. It's like hack to even point out at this point yeah. that Steven Crowder is looking for any excuse to put on a dress. But uh, yeah, they're all in a classroom. They have this fake classroom set up with a bunch of stuff written on the board. And it's, I'm not sure what's going on because they have different terms on there like pandemic, booster, Illuminati, equity femininity uh and then it also says like fox news and stuff yeah but some of them say they spelled vaccine v-a-x-i-n-e that means it's bad and there was another one that was spelled wrong oh it's white privilege p-r-i-v-e-l-i-g-e and at first i thought maybe it was them saying the teacher's dumb and they spell stuff wrong but there are more difficult words to spell that are spelled right (laughs) so i think whoever had to do that just didn't know how to spell those words. But I guess you have plausible deniability. And then there's a Stand With Ukraine poster and then a, a rainbow flag and Black Lives Matter. And it's, a, it's all adults. It's people in their 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s in this classroom. This like, I think it's one of those van classrooms that you can rent that they set up when there aren't enough classrooms. Yeah, I'm sure. Like they got one of those and it's all the, these dads and uncles and grandpas and they're acting out what they think it's like in a classroom. And one of them's using too much hand sanitizer, and you're supposed to hate that. It just seems so late. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what's so funny is I feel like he's actually late to each of these things he tries now that I'm thinking about it. Because I'd be remiss not to mention that he did a Bored Ape song called Going Bananas. And that was June of last year. That's pretty late, right? That's very It's only late, nine months ago. I doubt he has one. And guess what? Yeah, of course he doesn't. And um, But... When he did the Going Bananas uh, song, he also put out a limited edition comic called Ham and M versus Bored Ape number 2735. That stinks. So and also, fucking whack. Dr. Robert Malone is in this as like a student, and that's one of the anti-vax guys. That's one of those guys that was pretending to be a real doctor and a serious guy for a while, and then no one took him seriously. So now, now he has to go on shit like this. Now he's like working with Telegram the, the live one, streams. Number one uh, board ape loving QAnon adjacent rap god. Yeah. And also Harley Morenstein, the epic mealtime guy, is apparently in this. <laughs> Jeez. I hate that guy. So from looking at his board ape song, the guy whose board ape he's referring to is in the comments. So he must have like collabed with the guy who does own an ape. And then the top comment beneath that one is rap plus art equals perfection. Let's go. And the comments on this are mostly people owning him. Like someone said, we going to make it out the trailer park with this one. <laughs> but that's, uh, I don't know, a little off base because this is a middle class Jewish guy who uh, just has zero talent, but has to be famous. Like yeah, That's what exactly. we're dealing here. Dealing that's with what you, you can like, t- like the guy whose dad was a get. dentist, and he just he has to be famous by being yeah, a white rapper or being anything. like a, a YouTube pranker or a, a right wing inciter of trans violence or uh, doing shit on Omegle or being an Uber driver and filming people or 
He just has to be in front of people for being able to do Eminem karaoke. He's one of those guys that like at a very uh, formative part of his life, he rapped an Eminem song perfectly. And someone was like, oh man, that white boy just nailed that. Yeah, and it locked him into doing that repeatedly for the rest of his life. Like I'm the I'm the white boy who can do uh, "Rap God" by Eminem all the way through. Very uh, cool. Going even farther back, it just proves that theory even more. Where they're less politicized, but they're still just like flashing the pan like memes he's trying to like ride on. You know, like there's one from seven years ago called like the Pokemon Go rap. Like obviously, right when that came out, and around that same time, he has this absolutely horrible video called how to order McDonald's like a boss. And it's basically like that Brian guy that you guys watch on FYM who just like harasses service workers with his Disney impressions. This is just him going into a McDonald's in Manhattan and rapping an order at the guy for like a minute and a half while he just stands there and can't do anything about it. It's one of the most painful videos I've ever it's seen. So it, it, might, it might actually be worse than the guy who does Stone Cold E.T., where he puts yeah. on an ET thing and does the stone <laughs> the cold depression. Yeah. And he also did Dennis Rodman drive through prank where he has a straight up blackface. Well, that's, that's still on YouTube. And I think that's, I would rather watch that than the McDonald's order video because in that one, the person is behind a speaker. And in the McDonald's one, you can see the guy and he is looking down at the cash register and trying to pretend it's not happening. And like also, he, like, it's in Manhattan, it's busy, so there's people waiting, you're wasting everyone's time, it just sucks. Oh, I just noticed he has a song called Dicks Out for Harambe. Wow, damn, dude, he's really on top of everything. That is awesome. He's got his fucking pulse on the culture for the last seven years, man. You know, at least Brandon Wardell has some shame about coming up with that. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, he didn't even bother to delete that. Bad no, Santa Christmas it. rap. Had a rap on a Ferris wheel like a boss. He he has God one damn. trick that he can do. He can do an Eminem impression, and that's all he has. How to rap at service workers extra fast. Like, when he's doing the McDonald's rap, it's not even worth understanding what he's saying, because a lot of it is stuff just to make it rhyme. Like, yeah, and it's put not some on the more, menu. Put some hot sauce on that. Like, that's not... They don't put hot sauce on stuff. Yeah, put hot sauce on it like a boss or something. You know? And he also orders the McRib, and I don't think the McRib was out when this came out. So what are you supposed to do with that? There should what be is a... The, um, what is the guy... Is he supposed to say, like, can you slow down? Or, like, we don't have half that stuff? Yeah, he should have an epic rebuttal video where he's like, um, excuse me, sir, the McRib is not in season. We do not have the Sichuan sauce. Half of these things are not on the menu, sir. Yeah, you ordered a Whopper. We don't have that. We don't have a Whopper Junior either. Yeah, I think for all that we've said about this guy, I can't stress enough how funny I think his turn toward Indian and Pakistani content was. Yeah, that like, was weird. He got into identifying uh, an eight-year-old rap god in Pakistan is so fucking funny to me. It's like Evangelion, where it's like they've located the fourth child or whatever. It's like we have just identified an eight-year-old rap god in Pakistan. Notify the authorities. Yeah, it's like the new Dalai Lama. Yeah, <laughs> they find the new rap god. You know, I believe that the next rap god is already walking among us. He just hasn't spit yet. I'd be looking out for like these four and five-year-olds even because they found an eight-year-old one in Pakistan, man. Yeah, which five-year-old talks the fastest? Yeah. <laughs> I guess like now same... it would be like, it would be a guy who uh, like grabs his girlfriend's wrist who's really into Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> like if you can find one of those guys, like if a guy like that comes up and asks you for a jewel, like a full, a full jewel pod. 
Yeah, you might want to check if he's a rap god. Put him in front of a service worker and see what he starts doing to order his his meal. Ask him what his favorite Eminem LP is. I guess he jumped on the Indian thing for a little while. Someone must have told him or he watched like a tutorial that said India is the next big thing. Because everyone's so always funny. saying that. The India is the next big thing. So he uh, put India and Pakistan in some videos. and It's just it's, a really hard start and stop though chronologically where before that it's all Uber driver raps fast. Fall guys rap, you know, shit like that. Then it's just 12 videos in a row about India and then it's woke up, you know. Uber driver wrapped me off? Yeah, that's exactly the face he's doing in all these two. Yeah, he's trying to jump on that bandwagon, but a little late. Oh boy, that stinks. And yeah, he forgot about Indian people. He forgot who made him famous. Because he got <laughs> yeah. Tech 9 and Twista on a song, which is about as impressive as Crazy Lokes paying MC8 from his disability check to uh, come up to San Francisco and do a a verse on his album. Crazy Lokes pushed it too far, though, you know? Is he still banned from YouTube, I think? He came back. Oh, he did? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it got restored. I'm not sure how it worked. He had a great video where uh, there's this guy who is like in his driveway, I guess, and he's looking at him silently, and Crazy Lokes keeps saying, we're going to spar, we're going to spar, and they're kind of laughing at him. Uh, and then he puts on these gloves and then he comes up and socks the guy in the face. Oh, jeez! And then there's a lady off camera is like, no, 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 no. Yeah. People should not be giving crazy looks attention. Even, as much as I want to give him attention, it's not a good idea. Yeah. That guy, he really, that's some hubris when you go up to crazy looks and crazy looks has on boxing gloves. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's crazy looks. You think he's not going to get in a fight with you? Yeah, like you, you were warned. His face is like, he looks like he's a professional boxer. His face is so fucked up. Man, my last thought on young rap gods is, I think in the same way that like rich people start forcing their kids to take piano lessons when they're like three years old to make them into prodigies. If we want to compete with these Pakistani rap gods coming up out there, Americans need to start giving their kids rap lessons like as soon as they can talk. Like pay, pay someone like Twista an hour to give your toddler rap lessons, you know? I'm paying for my white kid to have waves lessons. (laughs) How to get waves. That's another thing we haven't really said about high res is that he talks in the most obnoxious, like AAVE, like put on voice. So bad, dude. Yeah. You got, you got to get rid of that if you're racist, I think. Yeah. Once you're in the fully in the MAGA camp, you got to, you shouldn't be doing rap at all. Like you got to actually think about this stuff. Unfortunately, if you're actually committed to being a white supremacist, you got to be a Roman statue guy. And that stuff is fine. But most of the people who like this kind of stuff are too stupid to understand anything that isn't a viral white rap video or a classic rock song. Man, you got to give him props for how quickly he adjusted the way he tells you to like and subscribe to. Because on one of his like mega raps, the description is... This music video may get censored or removed, so make sure you turn on notifications and watch it when it drops. YouTube could not give less of a shit at this point. Yeah, exactly. It's swarming with this stuff. Especially now, like they really backed off it. I think like COVID and then January 6th, that was the peak and it sort of tapered off since then. Yeah. And he converted to that stuff way after that. Yeah, it was well after they would have banned you for any COVID related stuff. He was still reacting to Pakistani rap gods at the time. I like the YouTube uh, like urban legends where people try to intuitively understand what's going on. People will say like this thing that's going on instead of COVID 
because they yeah. think you can't say the word COVID or YouTube will demonetize you. The people, they have a really hard time understanding it. Like COVID in general, it really stretched the mental capacity of a lot of old people. <laughs> I remember uh, during the pandemic, Spotify put a COVID misinformation warning label on podcast about list. And <laughs> when I was talking to Cameron about it, I was like, how can they flag you for misinformation when your show has no information? There's just zero information on that show. It's the podcast with the least information of all time. Yeah. I don't really agree with marking that stuff as vaccine information, vaccine misinformation, because I don't want yeah. conservatives to get the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> Do not get the vaccine if you're a Republican. That's not for you. That's There's a good a, song title. Do not get the vaccine if you're a Republican. That's right. There was a Neil Young story about how he's not doing shows anymore because of Ticketmaster. So I guess we can't listen to his music and we can't go to his shows. And I think he just has to pick one. Yeah, if I were him, I think I would not do shows anymore because he's 115. Yeah, And I would put my music on Spotify because you didn't get Joe Rogan kicked off of it. Yeah, you lost the battle. He's still on there and you just embarrassed yourself. I'm sorry, Neil, if you're listening to this. Yeah, I think you're right about the shows, though. Of like, you don't have to enjoy playing live if you're like 700 years old. You can call it quits, you know. I don't like playing live. I hate concerts. I don't even like going to concerts. Dude, you're like Neil Young. Yeah, I'm like Neil Young, except uh, I put stuff on Spotify. <laughs> we just, okay, so in the way that like Taylor Swift has been re recording her whole discography, we just need to record Neil Young's whole discography and put it up ourselves. Oh, that would just be Just cover awesome. everything album by album. How about a version of Cinnamon Girl where it sounds mostly the same, but when it gets to the solo, it's like a ripping, shredding solo. Or instead like of the Satriani, solo. <laughs> <laughs> or we could replace the solo with a clip of a rap god ordering McDonald's like a boss. Yeah, that would be awesome. That's the rap version of shredding. They said <laughs> Neil, Neil Young, Young invented McDonald's rap. McDonald's like a boss. Neil Young goes into a McDonald's and just starts playing guitar at them. But uh, maybe we should move on to our main event here. I don't know, Alex, how did you come across this website, Singer's Room? Uh, I don't even remember now. I think that's no. fitting because the content is so just nothing. I can't even, th there's no word to even describe the content. It's just AI generated nonsense. Yeah. The most it's, bland shit of all time. It's a very clunky AI listicle website yeah it's and probably it chat gpt3 is my guess yeah it seems a little old this i i'm not afraid of this yeah exactly that's what i think that's what we're going to get into of like to me this website is like the opposite of um metalhead zone where like when you know when you go on metalhead zone you know you're going to get some very awkwardly interestingly worded english sentences written by someone in turkey who loves like boomer rock and you know you're going to read something interesting and weird just on a sentence by sentence level. But these chat GPT sentences are just the most boring generic shit ever that it's just like, there's so little heart here, but the mistakes it makes are so funny that it's still worth talking about, you know? Yeah. I was noticing some funny patterns in here. Like there are a lot of auto-generated 10 best band songs of all time. And by a lot, you mean thousands and thousands that all appeared in the last month. Like for each yeah, writer you find... Year. Okay, so Darren Jameson was the one I had pulled up. He has over 220 bylines in the last month and a half. He's out there on his grind, you know? Yeah. 
So the ones that made me laugh were the 10 best fine young cannibals songs of all time. And then number one, she drives me crazy. Wouldn't you believe it? She drives me crazy is a catchy and upbeat song by fine young cannibals that was released in 1988. And then it keeps going down. And then there are, there was one for uh, the new radicals. That was very funny. Oh, yeah. For those who were teenagers in the 1990s, New Radicals are a band that needs no introduction. I don't know about that. Yeah, I think they do need an introduction. Like, oh, they had that one song. And it says in here, with just one album to their name, picking the 10 best New Radical songs of all time is a challenging task. <laughs> the band's discography is filled with catchy hooks, clever lyrics, and infectious beats that are sure to get stuck in your head. From anthemic rockers to soulful ballads, New Radicals music is timeless and has stood the test of time. It was timeless and it stood the test of time. Oh, man. This list of the 10 best New Radical songs of all time is a tribute to the band's musical legacy and a celebration of the songs that made them one of the most beloved groups of the 90s. Whether you're well, a diehard fan or a casual listener, this list has something for everyone. From the iconic You Get What You Give to the underrated gem Crying Like a Church on Monday, these songs showcase the band's versatility and talent. So, number one is You Get What You Give. What a surprise. And I looked it up, and this is a band that has 12 songs. <laughs> also, like it's worth pointing out that if a human was tasked with writing this fucking listicle... They would at least have the decency to put you get what you give at number two to make people mad and share the link on social media. Putting it at number one just seems like a slap in the face to the band, you know, and to the reader. You yeah. should at least try to make us mad. I think a real person would know you can't go to 10, like maybe five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just here's 10 of their 12 songs. Narrowing 12 down to 10 is pretty crazy. They it did implies, that with a, It implies another listicle called the two worst songs by the New Radicals. Yeah, the two songs that didn't deserve mention. And there was one that it, it, it was really throwing me because there were a bunch of like that, like Fine Young Cannibals or D-Light, where there was one for the top 10 D-Light songs of all time. And number one was Groove is in the Heart, of <laughs> course. And then I found the one for Kim Carnes. And I was expecting number one to be Betty Davis Eyes, but it wasn't on there. It wasn't in the <laughs> what top is 10. On there? So it's so weird how that works. Now it's noticing these weird patterns and how it pulls stuff up where like the top 10 Tom York songs, number two is Paranoid Android. But the top John Lennon songs or the top Paul McCartney songs, none of them are from the Beatles. Okay, so that's so I'm the glad rules you brought up the Paul McCartney ones because there's two separate lists for top 10 Paul McCartney and top 10 Paul McCartney and Wings. And they're both directly contradictory to each other. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know on how the you Paul do McCartney that. You... ones, Maybe I'm Amazed is number one, then Band on the Run, then Live and Let Die. Under Wings, Live and Let Die is number one, Band on the Run is number two. They flip places. So it's the same three songs in a different <laughs> yeah, order. <laughs> maybe I'm Amazed is at number three. This is just, this is not ready for showtime yet. Yeah, I love this shit, dude. It's, it is more entertaining than reading human-generated listicles, because the human ones at this point are also so devoid of life. At least these ones are, like, unaware of how they're contradicting themselves. I think another point, though, that you had started making, which I think is um, a good insight here, is that, you know, you could, you could claim that Eric Alper is, like, a human listicle, 
But in reality, he's like the opposite. It's like a yin yang thing where these listicles that the AI is generating are like cheat sheets for Eric Alper's prompts. Cause it's like, he'll just be like, what's your favorite song with money in the title? And then you go on singersroom.com and they have 20 songs with money in the title. Not even yeah. the top 20. They're just 20 songs with money in the title. It's perfect if you're a big fan of Eric Alper, but you don't know how to answer any of his questions. Yeah, you're like sweating if he says, bullets. What's, a, what's an album cover with the, the singer on the cover? Oh, fuck. Fuck. I love Eric Alper, but I just, I can't do this. Do you want to guess what's the number one song with money in the title? Uh, money by Barrett Strong. Money by Pink Floyd. Oh, right. Number two, Money Song by Monty Python. Get Money by Lil Wayne and T-Pain. Free Money by Patti Smith. Mo Money, Mo Problems, Notorious B.I.G. Hey, pretty good list. But okay, this getting into this, like this is what's even funnier. It has no ability to relate. Like the AI generated paragraph about each of these entries has no ability to relate it to what the theme of the listicle is. So every single time it's just like Money by Pink Floyd is a classic rock masterpiece from the album Dark Side of the Moon. It doesn't like tell you why it's on the list, you know? Yeah, that's the problem. It doesn't know how to do that. You have to relate it somehow. You have to have some sort of hook. So, yeah, it gets even better on certain other ones, like uh, 20 songs about funny meme. Ultimate 20 list of songs about funny meme by Samuel Moore. He really hit it out of the park with this one. Some of these um, I didn't know were memes. Yeah, so the the introduction says, from well-known classics like All Star by Smash Mouth to more recent sensations like What Does the Fox Say? Eh, it's not that, that much more uh, recent. This is from this year, and that was from, I think, 2013? Yeah, that's pretty ancient at this point. This is 10 but years this, ago. This is a good one, where a good example of what I was saying, though, because number one is never going to give you up by Rick Astley. It's like, okay, fair enough. But instead of explaining why it's a meme, it just says, it's a 1987 pop classic by Rick Astley with its upbeat melody and catchy lyrics. Da, 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 da. It's a true dance floor filler that will have you moving and grooving from the first note to the last. Yeah, I meant to say this about the New Radicals one, too, where once you start reading the New Radicals thing, every song either remains a fan favorite or is a standout track. You know, like it has so few phrases that it pulls from. Yeah, there's not too much to say about the New Radicals other than that one song is pretty good. Number two is Gangnam Style. In this one, I guess the description kind of explains it with its like iconic it's horse riding dance and that. catchy, upbeat melody. The song quickly became a viral sensation. So with this one, the, the stuff it automatically scrubs is yeah, sort got lucky. of relevant. But uh, three is Hide and Seek by Imogen Heap. Yeah, this is one of those where you just can't explain why it would be on a meme list, nor is it aware that it's writing this for a meme list. Oh, I remember is this Is Mr. Now. Brightside by The Killers really a, a meme? I don't know. It's definitely a song that gets referenced a lot. But it's like, it's also a song that gets genuinely listened to a lot, unlike Rick Astley, you know? Yeah, it's definitely one of the, if you made a CD that was like the greatest hits of the 2000s, that would have to be on it. It just yeah. has like, it has staying power. Yeah. I do remember the, that image in Heap song in like a, a Vine compilation or it something. It was in like an SNL skit or something like that, like 15 years ago. Yeah. And I, um, it doesn't explain it at all, of course. Uh, a Thousand Miles, I guess that is. Yeah, Vanessa Carlton, that counts, I think. Every Time We Touch by Cascada, I don't know what that's a meme. These are things, like the ones that we don't know, everyone's going to be in the comments being like, uh, how do you not know about this? You, know? you don't know Cascada? I do know the song, I just don't know how it's a meme. Okay, I think I've heard this in a meme. 
I've definitely heard it before. Harlem Shake by Bauer. Yeah, that's fair. That's one where it also, it does it for you because it actually explains why it's a meme because you have to. But In My Feelings by Drake, I don't know why that's a meme. Photograph Is it by the one Nickelback. that the screen caps come from maybe? Every Drake song just sounds like Drake. Yep. And it's not necessarily bad, but it's just Drake. Yeah, he's the kind of guy where like you wished that he only ever had five hits. Like if he had like three or four hits, I'd be like, oh, I kind of like that guy. But it's just the same fucking thing again and again and again, except for the times when he just steals whatever else is the most popular thing. Like when, it, when Migos first broke out and he just did a remix of their song to like be like, look, here's me. Here's me. I'm doing a verse on it. Africa by Toto. That makes Africa sense. Africa by Weezer. Africa by Weezer, yeah, the original. Take On Me, The Sound of Silence, Pony by Genuine, September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, Jack Sparrow by The Lonely Island. How is that a meme? Yeah, it's just a That's kind of stretching the definition. It's Let It Go by Adina Menzel. Adele Dezim. My favorite one that I found was, uh, where is it? The 10 Best Magazine Songs of All Time. Oh, yeah, this one's really good. They might be my favorite band. So I was interested to hear this. Magazine was one of the most influential bands of the post-punk era, known for the blend of art rock, avant-garde sensibilities, and intense live performances. Led by the charismatic and enigmatic singer-songwriter Howard DeVoto, the band's music was characterized by intricate guitar work, unconventional song structures, and DeVoto's distinctive vocals. So far, not wrong. Yep, pretty good. So number one is Bob Dylan, like a (laughs) Rolling Stone. And then because it doesn't know what it's doing, it just starts describing Bob Dylan for the next paragraph. Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan is a seminal song that is widely considered to be one of the greatest in the history of popular music. Released in 1965, it was a significant departure from Dylan's earlier acoustic folk style and marked a turning point in his career as he embraced rock and roll. So that's interesting. You're right. right. And then uh, number two is the Rolling Stones. I can't get no satisfaction. (laughs) I Can't Get No Satisfaction is a classic rock song by the British band, the British rock band, the Rolling Stones. Number three is John Lennon Imagine. So there's two things that could have happened. Either the listicle is the wrong listicle entirely, or somehow the chat GPT saw the word magazine and got it confused with Rolling Stone magazine. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Because this this feels like Rolling Stone magazine. It probably is their top list. John Lennon, Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin. The Beach and the Boys, top two are the, Chuck the Rolling Stones and Rolling Stone. Yeah, like, yeah, it clearly just got the wires crossed, you know? Yeah, it was looking, I was trying to think of what it would be looking for, where it would pull that up, like top 10 magazine songs. I guess if you Googled that, it would probably show you different listicles from magazines. Yeah, like the band magazine isn't big enough to to come up unless you clarify like post-punk or something, you know? yeah. Johnny Be Good, Hey Jude, Smells Like Teen Spirit, What I Say. Johnny Be Good is a great post-punk song. Yeah. It's a post-rock song. It wasn't the first rock song. It was after that. (laughs) Post-first rock song. But I think we haven't even touched on some of my personal favorites yet. I think this was the first one you showed me and still one of the very best. Because this one's more subtle in the way that it's totally fucked up. The 10 best weekend songs of all time. Once again, the intro paragraph gets it right, where, you know, he's a multi-platinum R&B artist, haunting vocals and atmospheric production, blah, blah, blah. But then, (laughs) number one, less than zero. 
This is a powerful and politically charged song from Roger Daltrey's third solo album. <laughs> and yep. uh, D- Daltrey delivers a scathing critique of the Thatcher era government in the UK. Okay. Number I didn't two, know the, the weekend cared about the after that party. Um, this song, The Party and the After Party, is a cover of a song by Canadian artist The Weeknd featuring Roger Daltrey on vocals. Did they do anything together? The, I have no idea, dude. It doesn't sound like The Weeknd, Roger Daltrey. Yeah, the number two is this. It so, just thinks every single weekend song is by Roger Daltrey for the entire duration of this listicle. <laughs> Daltrey's smooth crooning added a new layer of depth and emotion to the already haunting lyrics. It uses the word haunting like 10 times too. The Birds Part 1 is another cover of a song by The Weeknd featuring Roger Daltrey's vocals over a stripped down acoustic arrangement. Keep going. House of Balloons, uh, number six. It's so it's a weird. Dynamic and atmosphere track featuring Roger Daltrey's vocals over a sample of the weekend song of the same name. I don't know what happened with this. Like at first I was thinking maybe The Weeknd has a song called Rolling Stone, and it says it's from Roger Daltrey's sto- solo album. And that would make sense if he did a Muddy Waters cover. Like that would that would be reasonable. Or out of time. Like it would that's a very common song title, but then it does. Uh, Blinding Lights, which yeah, I don't think... Yeah, it's all his biggest hits. There can't be a, a Roger Daltrey <laughs> yeah, solo song not. called... There's just no way. Yeah, let's read the description of that. Blinding Lights is a cover of the weekend smash hit song featuring Roger Daltrey's vocals over a fresh and energetic rock and roll arrangement. What the was the Roger Daltrey thing? <laughs> I don't think he did any of this. <laughs> yeah. Did he... Did he sample the who? Is this based on anything at all? I can't find anything. Yeah, I'm not sure what... Like, he hasn't covered Blinding Lights. I think yeah, these I are all hypotheticals. Like, it wouldn't be crazy if he did a, if he did like a, uh, an appearance, like Paul McCartney was on a Kanye song. Yeah, like uh, the prompt but, seems to be write me a paragraph about the weekend song Blinding Lights as if it was covered by Roger Daltrey. Yeah. Maybe in like case each it happens. Because what, what if he does? He might want to. Like reading these again and again is so funny because the the wording of each sentence is just so similar again and again. Tell Your Friends is a cover of another hit song by The Weeknd featuring Roger Daltrey's soulful vocals over a stripped down acoustic arrangement. The track is moody and introspective. Blah, blah, blah. It's a standout track in Daltrey's discography and a testament to his willingness to collaborate with younger artists and push the boundaries of his sound. Yeah, The Weeknd has always been... Uh... A huge fan of Roger Daltrey. He does the swinging the microphone thing. He did that cover of Won't Get Fooled Again. And uh, eventually Roger reached out to him. And it's a, it's a very beautiful thing. The Hills is also a standout track in Daltrey's discography, showcasing his ability to take a modern pop hit and make it his own while staying true to his rock and roll roots. 20 songs about Japan. Japan, the land of the rising sun, is a country with a rich cultural heritage that has inspired many artists across the globe. From its bustling cities and vibrant streets to its picturesque countryside and beautiful temples, Japan has long been a source of inspiration for musicians. So number one is Big in Japan by Alphaville. Uh, Number two is My Private Tokyo by Vicious Pink Phenomena. So it's all like 80s songs about Japan. Mr. Roboto is number five. (laughs) <laughs> Woman from have, Tokyo by Deep Purple. How about Turning Japanese? I was hoping that was on there. I have a Spotify playlist called uh, Authentic Asian Music. Let me pull it up. 
I've got Turning Japanese by the Vapors, uh, A Passage to Bangkok right by Rush, Vietnamese <laughs> Baby by the New York Dolls, China Girl by David Bowie, Little China Doll by Martin Denny. That's kind of a deep cut. That's like a, one of the, uh, that's the type of instrumental stuff that uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra was riffing off of. Like those yeah. uh, Orientalist instrumental lounge music records from the 60s. Mr. Roboto, Bang- One Night in Bangkok by Murray Head. Turnaround in Tokyo by The Babies. That's a deep cut. Cobra by Martin Denny. That's like, uh, forget what it sounds like, but I assume it's like a snake coming out of a, a basket. Heat of the Moment by Asia. That's just a little uh, little joke in there. Little Big in Japan. Play. Shanghai Surprise. Desert Rose by Sting I put in there because I think it qualifies. And then Hong Kong Garden by Susie and the Banshees. Oh yeah, good pick. So that's what my listicle would have been. I was hoping it would be more stuff like that, but it's it uh it kind of sits on the fence and it's uh it's like vaguely orientalist yeah. but doesn't include it's, any of the problematic songs. It's only like white guy songs about Japan. Yeah, I'm curious how it sifted through that. It seems to just be looking for the word Japan, but like there must be some other criteria maybe. I don't know. The worst one I found was 20 songs to describe your life. Music has the power to evoke emotions, memories, and experiences. It can be a form of self-expression and often becomes the soundtrack to our lives. But what else would be the soundtrack to your life if not music? (laughs) There isn't a soundtrack if there isn't music. Like If a a movie doesn't have music in it, it doesn't have a soundtrack. (laughs) And number one is Titanium by David Guetta. (laughs) That describes my life. I don't know the song, but... The lyrics of Titanium talk about overcoming fear and self-doubt with Sia singing about feeling bulletproof and unbreakable. The song is driven by a driving beat and soaring chorus. With its positive message and energetic sound, Titanium is a timeless classic that continues to inspire and entertain listeners around the world. You know, I feel like music is the energetic sound of my life. Yeah, I think it soundtracks my life in a certain sense. Very energetically. We've seen that phrase energetic like 10 times already. (laughs) Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie is number two. The lyrics of Under Pressure deal with the pressures and stress of everyday life with the singers imploring the listener to stay strong and keep their cool. And number three is We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together by Taylor Swift. Oh, that's about my life. All right. That's my favorite song of hers, but I don't know. That doesn't really describe my life. Weekend by Lewis the Child and Icona Pop. I have no idea what the that weekend. is. Yeah, me Brave too, but I love the weekend. Sarah Bariles. Name has too many L's in it. I don't like it. Uh, that one, I guess, makes sense. Baba O'Reilly by The Who. I guess if you're in Teenage Wasteland, <laughs> it doesn't really describe it too much. Dude, Teenage Wasteland describes my 30s. To yeah. T. I'm in an adult wasteland, I think. <laughs> 30-something wasteland. It's My Life by Bon Jovi, Vienna by Billy Joel. I guess that one literally describes a life. Yeah, it's about living your life. I guess you could make a list like that, like It's My Life by Bon Jovi, It's My Life by Billy Joel. I don't know why they didn't pick It's My Life by Billy Joel. There's a Billy Joel song right (laughs) after that, and the one before it is called It's My Life, but they didn't pick It's My Life by Billy Joel. Uh, Highway Star by Deep Purple, I don't... We gotta go by on the highway. AJR, don't stop believing by Journey. Roller coaster by Jonas Brothers. I don't know this. We can work it out by the Beatles. Some weak shit. Imagine by John Lennon. See you again by Wiz Khalifa. Dude, imagine describes my life. Like, what if there was no evil? You know, 
Imagine there's no people. Imagine there's no weasels. You can really put anything in that song. Imagine there's no life. Paul Walker. Imagine there's no Paul McCartney. Oh, no. Because he died in 1966 and they replaced him. 20 songs about aunts and nieces. Oh, that was a good one. Aunts and nieces share a special bond that is built on love, laughter, and memories. Whether it's through shared experiences, holiday traditions, or just spending time together, this bond can have a lasting impact on both the aunt and the niece. To celebrate this unique relationship, <laughs> we've compiled a list of the top 20 songs about aunts and nieces. From upbeat tracks that celebrate the joys of life to introspective ballads that reflect on the struggles of growing up, these songs showcase the depth and complexity of this special bond. Number one is Soothsayer by Buckethead. <laughs> because it's the subtitle is dedicated to Aunt Susie. Um, I, I don't have that one pulled up right now, but... Uh... There was one called like Kangaroo or something by Auntie something. And I looked up the lyrics and it's, it partly seems like a kid's song and it's partly about twerking. So I couldn't really figure out what it is, but it definitely doesn't seem appropriate for the list. Yeah. The album cover does not look appropriate. Okay. I played it. And at, at the beginning, she says, this song is for my BBW nieces. <laughs> so I think that is some sort of slang term that I wasn't aware of. Uh, Aunt Dora's Love Soul Shack by Arthur Conley. Aunt Dot by Lil' Kim. Really have to reach for these. I haven't heard of any of these. Baby Holy Gully by The Ventures? <laughs> what the fuck? It doesn't say how it's related. I was hoping there's an equivalent one for uncles and nephews and about that special bond, but they only have one about uncles specifically, and it sucks. This is an instrumental. <laughs> I skipped through it. This is an instrumental. The Ventures, Holy Gully Baby. So that's, I guess it's, it was written, uh, it was written about their aunt. That no one knows about the special relationship between aunts and nieces, like four guys. Electric Aunt Jemima by Frank Zappa. I don't, I don't think that's about his aunt. <laughs> I don't think that's his aunt. Aunt Could Lisa be. by Mastodon. Thankful Heart <laughs> by The Muppets. Is See, any about, listicle with Mastodon and the Muppets back-to-back has got to be pretty good. This is the one that Scrooge sings? <laughs> yeah, Scrooge sings it to the Muppets. So about I'm not sure how that's about... the aunt-niece relationship. I don't believe there are aunts and nieces in that at all. I don't know if it even passes the Bechdel test. You know, does, like, I don't know, Cardi B or someone have any, like, preco precocious rapper nieces? Because it seems like there's a void to be filled for, like... The female Migos, where they have like an Migos. aunt and a niece. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just waiting to be done right there. Great concept. Yeah, no one's done that yet. I guess the closest thing was probably, uh, I forget, uh, Whitney Houston was related to a lot of soul singers. Okay. But I forget, she, like, uh, I forget what, I forget the last name of all the other soul singers that she was, but those were her aunts. So I think at some point that might've happened, but I we think need the to bring important thing too, is that like in Migos, it's like they were all like roughly the same age, which just kind of makes it a better, more special relationship. I think. Yeah. It makes it funnier if you have an uncle who's the same age as you. Yeah. If your aunt's like 25 years older than you, it's like, whatever. But if she's like two years older than you, you could have like a viral rap group, you know? I think Megan Trainor had a band with her aunt. Oh, the one where they did uh, Bob Presumably. Marley songs? Yeah, they, she had a Jamaican uncle. So I assumed the aunt was in the band too. So that maybe that counts. Songs to listen to while gaming. 
Oh, cool. For many gamers, music is an integral part of the gaming experience, whether it's the pulse-pounding soundtrack of an intense action game or the atmospheric tunes that set the mood for a more contemplative adventure. The right music can enhance the gaming experience and make it even more immersive. But with so many great songs out there, it can be difficult to know where to start. <laughs> Number one is Thanks That's for the Memories by Fallout Boy. I don't know where to start with music. There's too many songs. Yeah, it's decision fatigue. I'm not sure why this is in there. Maybe it's because it uses leet speak. Does or it? chat speak? Well, it's oh, I guess. T-H-N-K-S. It's, oh, yeah. yeah I, I remember when they were in that era of doing those song titles that are really annoying. Yeah, it was like 06, 07. Yeah. So maybe there's something on the Wikipedia for that that says it's like a video game chat speak title. Dude, that's how the music, terms got in. Music is the soundtrack to my life, but like, I don't know where to start. Yeah. It's I, want I, I, inter- I want an energetic sound and a propulsive beat. Two but. is One Step Closer by Linkin Park. And of course <laughs> it doesn't explain gamer centric. I mean, in terms of how many Dragon Ball Z music videos have been made for a song, that one could be number one of all time. So Yeah, it's definitely in the background of a lot of like Halo 2 yeah. uh, trick shot compilations. Number three is Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. Hmm. Doesn't really. It's because there's bad guys in games. I guess so. You have to kill the bad guys. Is this about, about killing a bad the guy? bad guy? <laughs> the Unstoppable. Billy Eilish song about no scoping a bad guy. Yeah, she's a big gamer. Unstoppable by the score. I don't know what that is. No idea. High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. God, that's the most. Can you imagine? That'd be the most annoying fucking thing to play a video game to. Yeah, that's a that's a song to listen to while campaigning. Yeah, while canvassing for Pete Buttigieg. Flight by Tristam Braken. Probably some Gen Z bullshit, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna Drum start stand. hating Gen Z. Oh, I, I hate don't them. Get it. I never heard it, so I don't get it. No, I'm like three years too old to be <laughs> yeah. in it. I could just spend three minutes on YouTube if I cared, but instead I get really mad about it. No, this is nothing. This is like a generic EDM track, I think. Oh, weird. Yeah, it doesn't really explain. I mean, it's kind of right. Gamers like to listen to really shitty electronic music. Yeah, and especially stuff like "The Legend of Zelda" by Zed. <laughs> Any sort of track that's a remix of a like the Mario theme, yeah. but it's dubstep. They love that kind of shit. That's like crack for gamers. That's right. Montero, "Call Me by Your Name" by Lil Nas X. Yeah, I guess you could listen to that while gaming if you wanted, but. Not sure I see the connection necessarily. Stressed out by Twenty One Pilots. Yeah, that's that's one that'll that'll be in a lot of videos where people are playing. Probably. Hey, gaming is stressful. Call of Duty Black Ops Three. Razor Sharp by Pegboard Nerds and Tristam. I don't know who the hell that is. Till they have like the Halo them. theme on there, you know? Yeah, there aren't any like actual video game songs in here. Or what about any nerdcore rappers? Like, where's MC Chris, you know? That's right. Heart-Shaped Box by Nirvana. <laughs> what? All Maybe right, it's because you, you get hearts. A lot of these are about hearts. Oh, and or, like loot crates are a box. It's like... Loot Heart-Shaped box. box is about a loot crate that has a heart in it to replenish your HP. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Heartless by Kane West. Same First logic. First Class by Jack Harlow. Yeah, like I, I just... These are so intriguing, but so frustrating because I want to know how the computer is finding this stuff. 
Like, yeah, it's it's so inexplicable. Like, I want to know what it searched for to find this. It's definitely yeah, dependent on whoever entered the prompt. But yeah, some of the prompts seem like pretty obvious and some of them are just so bizarre, like however they worded it, you know, that's the most fun part of these lists is, well, A, just finding the biggest mistakes that make no sense. And then B, just wondering what they spent five seconds thinking of for the prompt. Like, here's here's an example of just the laziest prompt ever. 20 famous British singers, David Bowie, Adele. Elton John, Freddie Mercury, Amy Winehouse. Just this is just nothing. Why would anyone ever look that up? Twenty I songs think, about songs with love in the title. And see, that's an just, Eric Alper one right there. What's your favorite song about love? Yeah, it's just songs about love. It's not songs about songs about love. I guess if you were doing songs about songs about love, you could do "Silly Love Songs" by Paul McCartney. Um, you could do "I'm Not Gonna Write You a Love Song." Um, yeah, it just takes another layer of uh, understanding to actually figure that out, you know? Yeah, the computer doesn't understand that. So it's just Somebody to Love by Queen, Stupid Love by Lady Gaga, Crazy Little Thing Called Love by Queen, All You Need Is Love, Can't Help Falling in Love, Love Me Do, Baby Love, I Love Rock and Roll. That's not about love. See, it doesn't it doesn't. Yeah, that's understand. about rock and roll. It's so about okay, the jukebox. This, these ones are like kind of on the next level to me. I really appreciate these. This one is the 10 best songs about being 50. And these ones get even better because when they're not actually about an artist, like the weekend one has a stock photo of the weekend, but this one is just like four middle-aged women smiling and laughing. And the number one song, well, maybe I should read from the intro here. Turning 50 is a major milestone in life, marking a half century of existence on this planet. It's just like a tautology, but yeah, it gets on number one, a day in the life by the Beatles. That's a song about being 50. I didn't even like, know that. Like we were saying earlier, it doesn't know what the prompt is. Any, like It just explains what this Beatles song is and doesn't tie it back to being 50. So this list is one of my favorites of As Time Goes By by Louis Armstrong. This is an even better one. Back in Black by ACDC. It's about being 50. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> sure, why not? Cousin Mary by John Coltrane. I guess that's a good song. That's like I think that's track three on Giant Steps. Forever Young by Rod Stewart. That's about being fifty. <laughs> and then, that's a song about or that, that that could be in a list of the most pedophilic music videos. The caps the really capping this thing off. The final thing on the list: Happy Birthday by Stevie Wonder. Oh, nice. I wonder and if then, there are any about birthdays. What if I search birthday? Yeah, check it out. But let me get to, this is one of my very, this may be my single favorite thing. Yes. This one, the 10 songs about being 65. (laughs) Number four, or sorry, number five is The Beatles When I'm 64 (laughs) with a broken YouTube link, too. Yeah, I guess if you're 64 and 364 days, it doesn't really matter. When I'm 64 is my favorite song about being 65. 26 songs about birthday. Ooh, the happy birthday song is one of the most recognized and beloved songs in the world. The melody was composed by two sisters, Mildred and Patty Hill, in 1893, with the original lyrics being good morning to all. It wasn't until 1912 that the now famous happy birthday lyrics were added. Number one is happy birthday by Stevie Wonder. Number two is birthday by the Beatles. Number three is birthday by Katy Perry. Four is unhappy birthday by the Smiths. Birthday Cake by Rihanna. Happy Birthday by Loretta Lynn. Happy Birthday, Mr. President, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, this is another easy one to figure out the prompt, though, because the prompt is just 
um, some of the greatest songs with the about a birthday, and it just found the word birthday in the song title. You know, it doesn't matter what the content of them is. Is in the club? club? Is in here? Yeah, (laughs) that's oh, because it is in the lyrics. Go shorty, go shorty. It's your birthday. Clearly crawled the lyrics on like rap genius. Happy birthday by Weird Al. Wow. And then there's another one. Twenty birthday songs of all time. Birthdays are a special occasion that are celebrated all around the world. Birthday by Katy Perry. Birthday song by Two Chains. Birthday by the Beatles. It's My Party by Leslie Gore. Man. So this one, this is the last one I've got pulled up. And this one is like peak Eric Alper to me. 18 best musical instruments that start with the letter T. That's totally the kind of thing he posts these days of what's your favorite instrument that starts with the letter T. And this one is crazy too. This one's amazing. Yeah, let's just read this because like it this is like so alien. Music is an art form that has captivated humans for centuries, and one of the most fascinating aspects of music is the wide range of musical instruments available to create it, from the rhythmic beat of drums to the melodic strains of a violin. Each instrument has a unique sound, history, and cultural significance. Among the many musical instruments of the world, there are some that start with the letter T. That's right, I've always said that. (laughs) Their distinct characteristics and have contributed to the diverse range of music we enjoy today. So we go. You're starting to think about uh, instruments that start with the letter T. You might think of a trumpet, a trombone. There's been a lot of great music made with those, but number one is the tabor. And then you start to realize the pattern here. Number two is the tegum. Number three is the teganing. Number four, the taiko drum. Number five, the talking drum. It's like, damn, where's all like the classics, like the trombone? It's just alphabetical <laughs> straight through to the end. Yeah, they don't even rank them. It starts with like a an instrument that was invented in 300 BC China. <laughs> the tambourine is the eighth greatest instrument starting with the letter T. And we still haven't hit the fucking trombone yet. Yeah, the tenor sax is the last at number 11. One. <laughs> the someone theremin does, is at number 12. Maybe this was written by a big fat guy and someone followed him around with a tuba. Yeah. He put it four spots below the triangle. Yeah. Who likes the triangle? I follow a skinny person around with the triangle. You're too skinny. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Trumpet is second to last, dude. That's just so unfair. <laughs> the triangle is a more, it's a better, the, the phrasing of this is the best musical instruments to start with T. A triangle is just one of the best musical instruments way above a trumpet, dude. It's a pretty good instrument. Dude, uh, trumpet gods, you want to sound off in the comments about whether you think triangle gods are more on point with their music than you. Um, Check out my new video, Trumpet God uh, Blows His Horn at McDonald's Service Worker for five minutes. Trumpet Um, God, colon, White Satchmo. (laughs) Ten best Dionne Warwick songs of all time. That's who I was thinking of. Dionne Warwick was uh, Whitney Houston's aunt, I believe. Uh, Oh, okay. Unfortunately, they... Or maybe they did have a band together like in the 70s. I think actually, you know, my, my concluding thought here is the same thing it's always been about AI of, I feel like we've been pretty consistent about both NFTs and crypto and AIs and all that shit on the show of when it comes to NFTs, they've been bullshit from day one. Crypto just doesn't have many use cases that matter. And then my thing on AI has always been, it's neither as good as its proponents say, or as bad as its detractors say. And this just reinforces everything I already think of like, this shit is funny because it sucks, 
but it's not the end of the world. Like these fucking people writing like think pieces about like I asked chat GPT how to commit a genocide and it basically Google searched it for me and I was horrified, it, you know, it learned these it from the us. dumbest people on the fucking planet. But conversely, it's not that useful. And it has like marginal use cases. Like that AI I think Kurt was telling us about that uh, like splits the stems of a song. That sounds really cool to me. I'll totally use that. Like AI is just like, okay, it's not great and it's not terrible. <laughs> Yeah, generally reproduces the least like cognition intensive tasks that we have. Yeah. Like it's writing listicles or photoshopping stuff onto people. Like this has already become an obvious observation because it's what Microsoft's already doing with Bing right now to try to make it relevant is that ChatGPT and that kind of AI is basically just a Google search that can summarize itself and that's all it is. So it's like it's only as good as what it can crawl off the web, just like Google just crawls the web for a list of links. ChatGPT is doing a Google search, then giving you a paragraph instead of a list of links. You know, it's like almost the same thing. Yeah, it's an upgraded version of the Google thing where it gives you the questions. Yeah. All these fucking think piece guys, though, it's just like, I asked, asked Jeeves how to do a genocide and you won't believe what Jeeves told me. You know, like, it sounds so stupid now as saying that like 20 years ago. You know, it's like, not that exciting of a technology, really. I don't really think knowing how to do a genocide is the limiting factor. It's not yeah. like how to make napalm or like how yeah, to make It's easy meth. to look up how to like make a pipe bomb or something like. Like taking control of the state is, that's really yeah. the limiting <laughs> factor the there. Part. Like that's knowing the how to part. do it. Like you can learn about how Hitler did the, the putsch and stuff, but. Yeah. Not like you can just go out and do that again. But yeah, I guess I, I think we've framed this pretty accurately um if it spells trouble for anyone it's just eric alper like he's gonna have to start cracking down on that comment section i know he loves to hear from his fans i know he really cares what they're saying back to his stupid prompts he might find a lot of cheaters in there now if he died how long do you think his account would keep posting oh i think it would go for all eternity honestly until twitter shuts down yeah i think that's probably gonna happen he That's will the main reason anyone. people won't find him if he dies. It's because everyone's going to think he's okay because of the account. Meanwhile, he's going to be like in space or something. He's yep. long gone. He's in a cryotube. If any human deserves to outlive the rest of humanity, I think it is Eric Alper. I would choose him to represent us to some kind of like alien Congress to show what we were about as a species. Sending an Eric Alper golden disc out into space for the aliens, but instead of putting Chuck Berry, Johnny Be Good on it, you put, what's your favorite Chuck Berry song? And the aliens don't know any? I think basically as a species, songs were the thing that soundtracked our life, but we didn't know where to start. And Eric Alper helped us find that place to start by saying, what's your favorite song about being in a waiting room? And then, you know, someone mentions... um, what do you call those guys? Fugazi? Fugazi. It's blanking on their name. Yeah, how did you think of the title, but not the band? <laughs> I really caught myself there in a trap. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he summarized what it was like to be a music fan on Earth. Yeah, absolutely. Check out singersroom.com. Yeah, for an Eric I don't Alper think we mentioned sheet. it at all, but this was an R&B website. Yeah. At some point, this was an <laughs> R&B website. Yeah, until about a month and a half ago when they started churning out thousands of these instantly. Yeah. But yeah, go check it out. I'm sure there's way more funny ones we haven't found yet, but... <laughs>